you are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Uh, as the good lady says, your team every day for your your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound on Locked On Browns. Um, guys, uh, as we would mentioned here in the last couple of days, a uh, new podcast app here that we're partnering with. Uh, so, you know, whether it's Google Play, obviously Apple, Spotify, whatever, if you're looking for something different, you're looking for a, a change, free podcasting, app, free podcasting app, Himalaya, go ahead, check them out. And guys, as always, you know, you get into your car, tell your smart device, uh, play podcast Locked On Browns. They will bring up the freshest and newest episode for you. And it, this one will be a good one if you want to try that one out here. Uh, joining us for the first time in a while, we got to talk to him last year during January. During the Senior Bowl, he was kind enough to share his Senior Bowl experience with us. We got into a lot of draft quarterback play, uh, you know, draft quarterbacks and their play, and he was a big fan of the group. We're not really going to do that this year, Cleveland guys. Uh, we're good. Uh, we're pretty good. But, um, you know, guys, he's everywhere now, and he was starting off, you know, uh, you know, in the media side of it after a, a long career as a quarterback in the NFL. Um, now pretty established and you know, kind of the go-to in people, you know, are drawn to him, whether it's ESPN and everywhere else. Uh, Dan Orlowski, uh, Dan, first things first, how's everything going, bud? Uh, everything is going fantastic, man. It's been a uh, very much so a whirlwind sort of eight months since I got started about September time of 2018 with ESPN. Uh, tons of fun, uh, really having a blast, uh, kind of being a part of so many different things, and uh, it's good to be with you. And I thank you again for that. Um, as far as, you know, the career and where you're at, Dan, did, did you think, you know, when you first started this, you know, and you tell your wife, well, I'm going to dabble into something, see where it goes. Did you really think it'd be headed here? And let me ask you something. Do you have to be tall to pull off, you know, the, the thin hoodie under the blazer? I'm not sure if I can rock that, man. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not, a, like, if it was up to me, mind you, since I was, uh, gosh, about 14 years old, and that had to be about 1997. I've been full go sports with my life, and so that consisted of really like athletic wear, wearing sweats or t-shirts <laughs> and shorts, with sweats and sweatpants, and that was the same in high school, in college, in between class and practice, and certainly in the NFL. They're back and forth to work, and so I'm not as fashion forward as uh, so many other people, but my wife has got a relatively decent pulse on it, and she was actually the the idea person behind every outfit I wear, but certainly the one that day uh, that you're referencing with the hoodie over underneath the jacket. So it worked out. Some people, most people liked it. Uh, some some people weren't too much of a fan. It is actually pretty funny because uh, I went up to an, an event with some writers in the city about three weeks ago. And, you know, I left my wife some money. I'm like, well, you know, go pick something out. I said, I'm looking blazer is something or whatever. And then I was telling one of my friends about it. And they're like, well, you can't pick out your own clothes? I was like, well, look. I said, if my wife stuck with me this long, I said, if she she knows what I might look a little bit better in or a little bit more attractive in, I said, so I probably trust her better than I trust myself. Uh, most of the suits I have in my closet I've had for over a decade. So, you know, maybe maybe go that route. She dresses nicer than me. I, I'll just go that route. Um, but Dan, the career—I mean, it's 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 come along quickly. You know, whether it's college football week in, week out, whether it's you know morning shows. Obviously, a lot of people are you know enjoying you know the depth of your knowledge, which I, if I remember correctly, was you know twelve years, but twelve years in the league, and obviously at the quarterback position, you know a little bit. I mean, you know a lot about offense. You know uh, you know a lot to a little bit about almost every position on the field, even though you never played it. 
is it is it how are you feeling about like how's it going and you know is it almost like surprising you how quickly it's you know moved on down the road uh, it's not surprising me in the fact of I have a pretty good understanding of you know because I kind of came into this world via social media I have a relatively good understanding of what people really like what people makes them tick and what people kind of crave in a way okay and so th- that's a little bit different uh, when it comes to uh, explaining things or knowledge or whatnot uh i also and you know i work really really hard at it and i put a lot of time and i take a lot of pride in it and you know i'm fortunate that i kind of have come up in this time if this was five six years ago it might be a different world but uh, i've really tried to embrace kind of activity with people i've tried to embrace kind of doing it my way and, and, and maybe a little bit different than what's been done in the, I guess, the analyst or broadcast world of the past. Uh, but but it's it's something that because of the, the way I grew up in football and my position comes relatively natural. Uh, as a backup quarterback, it was study and communicate and study and communicate and study and communicate to a bunch of different people in a bunch of different ways. And I really believe that kind of equipped me to do kind of what I've do, been doing over the last eight months. Well, and obviously it helps that, you know, there were different stops along the way. So, I mean, you were able to learn, you know, you were your knowledge and grasp of the information that was given to you, you, you had to be because you can't be the backup quarterback and not know what's going on. But you go to different stops and now you're absorbing more and more. And whether it's different QB coaches, OCs, head coaches, I mean, you know, you cannot be the backup quarterback and say, oh, well, wait a minute, you want me to run this? I mean, otherwise, guess what? We'll go find somebody else to do it. Yeah, and and that, that's a that's kind of a huge benefit is, you know, as a backup quarterback, you don't get reps during the week, as so many people know. And so your reps come from the mental part. Your reps come from talking about it with the third-string receiver, talking about it with the backup running back. Those become your reps. And it's also – I wasn't uh, – you know, uh, early draft pick either. I was a fifth round pick. And so I had to make sure I found ways to bring value to our organization. And so me knowing everybody's job uh, brought value in certain moments. And so the, the understanding that, you know, everybody sees and learns differently. That's in the world that just shrink that down. And that's an NFL locker room. And so it's, it's a, a learned, I guess, kind of skill or ability to make sure that everybody can get the same message. They just get it differently. Uh, that's, a, that's a great, great point. And, you know, it, and, you know, it's the longevity of it and the way and you just it's just easily flows from you. And, and I think that's why you've become, you know, as you know, climb the ladder as fast as you have, because I mean, it's I mean, you point everything out and whether it's the board or whatever. And, you know, obviously you're helping a bunch of us, you know, who want to learn and learn more about it. And for me being older, you know, I want to learn, you know, more of the jargon now. Like I see routes and I'm like, oh, I know what that's called. That's what you're calling it now? I mean, and there's just so much with it. And, you know, and, and we do appreciate that. But we are going to get here to Cleveland. And I know you were a big fan of Baker. Um, I don't think anybody could have anticipated year one and even even though it started, you know, oh one and one or whatever, and then he finally got to take the field. I don't think anybody could anticipated a, a, a number one overall pick getting paired with the coaching situation he was paired with on a team that was zero sixteen the year before. Um, you never keep. I, I don't know if you can ever keep a coach from an zero sixteen team. That's obviously, guys. That's all dead and buried now. 
but what he ended up doing and you know essentially leading this team to you know a seven and six record I mean I don't know if enough people actually put the emphasis on what he actually did for a franchise that was at the time the laughing stock of the league surely I mean leading up to the draft and kind of after you know leading up to the draft and who was going to be the first pick you know, one of the things that I had said was when you take a quarterback, really any position, but when you take a quarterback number one, the expectation is not the same as it is if you take a defensive lineman number one or a wide receiver number one. The expectation is not for that player, that quarterback, to be really good. It's for them to change the franchise. That's also the greatest challenge. There's been a lot of number one picks that have been really good players, but they've never changed franchises, like totally transformed them. And that was Baker's greatest challenge. And it was funny because, you know, obviously he came out at the combine and and made the comment he didn't think anybody was better equipped to go do that than him. And at the moment, obviously you pick apart the words and so many of us as players go, Slow down, bub, because it's a brutal world in the NFL, you know, and and we've seen many a confident guys fail. Uh, But as you get removed and you watch it happen, you go, dang, that that guy, that dude was 1,000% in belief of that statement right there. And that was his greatest accomplishment last year. Uh, not, Not to play on the field, which was outstanding, and not the handling of a terrible environment when your quarterback or your, your coach gets fired, but the transformation of the organization was his greatest challenge and last year his greatest accomplishment. And, and, if, and when John Dorsey said it you know, later on, I don't know, I, I'm not sure if it was exactly after the season or later on in the season, and he said, he's like, we felt maybe he was best equipped. And a lot of it probably had to do I mean, you know, whether it was Sam, whether it was Rosen, you know, whether it was Allen, whether it was Lamar Jackson, they were all underclassmen. These guys were just 21 years old. Baker was 23, and you know, maybe there's, you know, you know, I remember myself as a 21 year old, you know, as opposed to 23. Maybe you've got yourself a little bit better, and this isn't a knock on any of those guys, but you know, I don't know if they truly, any one of those four, four would have truly understood the magnitude of you know, the mess and what was going to be done to change it. And, I mean, it, it started from jump in that Jet game. And it was just, you know, and we, we were all excited that Thursday night game. And it was like, oh, oh my God, it's it's not going well. You know, obviously Tyrod went down and Baker went in. And it was, you know, balls on the numbers. And it was, you know, understanding, you know, whether it was a tight end like David Njoku where I can't throw the ball low. Don't throw the ball low to a guy who's six foot five, Or, you know, Jarvis Landry, I will hit you right in the chest and... It just it, it took off, and it was you know I mean a guy like Bashard Perriman, a guy who you know came in here, and we were like, well, why would you sign this guy? I mean, he's been a colossal bust in the league, you know, always hurt, and all of a sudden Bashard Perriman, and I was a quality guy, had two teams willing to give him a one-year, four million dollar contract. Obviously, opted to Tampa, but it was just so you know I mean you you saw the guy make those around him better, and that was just an incredible incredible thing to see, and you know. And now, like, you know, he's picking on media members, giving him a little elbow like he did that at Tony Grassi. And we're almost to the point where it's like, hey, LeBron, can you send the crown back? There's a new guy here yeah. in Cleveland. We want to put it on him. Yeah, I mean, it's, you, you know, it's, it's 
it's fascinating in a way because at the end of the day in the NFL, you've got to be able to play. Uh, and and you, your your Sundays have to speak for themselves. And so it was almost this thing with Baker Mayfield was like, all right, is that his greatest attribute? Is his greatest attribute his personality and his confidence and his competitiveness and his uh, whatever you want to call it, moxie or swagger? And the question was, was that going to be enough? Because, like, again, you've got to be able to play. And it's – it's a rare combination for him right now, and I understand it's year one and going into year two, and I get all that. But there's there haven't been a lot of guys that have come into the NFL that have the combo, at least at the quarterback position, of that that moxie and that confidence and that borderline arrogance and belief. But the talent matches as well. As well, a lot of times it's man, this guy's talented, but his personality, or, or, or can he make other people better just by being in the room, or man, this guy's an incredible leader, but he's a little bit physically limited in his athleticism or his throwing or his accuracy, you know, it, you don't get a lot of the, the rare combos of those guys that are really good in both those areas for him. Yeah, I mean, it just turned into, and, and now it's, you know, they are the hottest ticket in town. You know, the Indians, their ownership to basically telling it, well, we, we're not going to spend much more money. You know, the, the Cavs are light years away. This has become the hottest ticket, the hottest talking point in town. Guys, we're going to get to a little bit more here, obviously, with Dan. But you can remember to get this show every day. Subscribe to Locked on Browns on the new Himalaya podcast app. In an ever-expanding podcast community, you need Himalaya with their personally cre- uh, curated playlists and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and enjoy and make sure you are following Locked on Browns. Now, Dan, as we go a little further here, obviously, you know, a new offensive coordinator here, you know, uh, you know, obviously with Monken, he was a guy who was regarded for, you know, head coaching positions. Uh, they were able to do the same thing defensively with Steve Wilkes, you know, got fired after one year in Arizona. Um, the Freddie Kitchens that Freddie Kitchens that we saw, uh, you know, from you know, obviously, you know, seven games, and obviously with Monken's ability, and they appreciate the vertical deep passing game. Is this going to be? I mean, does it seem like a nice marriage between Freddie, between you know, obviously Todd Monken, does it meet and Baker Mayfield? Does this seem like a nice mesh of what they got going on? Oh, absolutely. I've been a fan of Monken for a while now, ever since really like his time at Oklahoma State and him being around um, Bundy and kind of learning that, you know, obviously run run and shoot, um, spread, kind of chuck it all over the lot offense, but also being able to have a, a competent run game and then really liked the stuff he did, did at Southern Miss and then obviously he's had success in the NFL and last year being – you know, part of one of the better passing offenses in the league, uh, despite, you know, who was playing quarterback for them down in Tampa. And so, you know, really what stood out last year with Freddie was, uh, and I've said this, the identity that he gave the offense, the simplification that he allowed their team to play with and Baker to play with, but also the, the aggressive shots downfield. Uh, coming out of the draft, I said, man, Baker's the best deep ball thrower in this draft. And that matters because you only get so many shots of deep balls in the NFL. And they swing games, especially their results. And you've got a, a coach now, a head coach, that's, that likes to be aggressive and likes to give teams identities. And now Modkin, as this OC, you know, um, 
you know, he, he really loves to push the ball downfield and be aggressive. And now Monken's got uh, some guys that can can really threaten defenses uh, in, in every aspect and certainly downfield. So it's a good marriage. I, I still, you, with personalities and uh, different roles and responsibilities, it's always, okay, how is it going to work and can it work? But you've got to imagine that um, both these guys are going to do what's best uh, for the team, obviously with Freddie being his first job and then Monken, you know, it, it, it had another good year, and, and he's going to be a hot name for head coach. And you know, and that's the thing, because, I mean, you have two guys coming here, and they're looking for you know, the next step. And you know, so that's that, that's the one interesting there. And with the deep ball, I go back to uh, the one versus Carolina. You know, obviously Baker, you know, took a you know, couple steps, of, you know, a short rollout. You know, I, I mean, I want to call it a rollout, but, you know, stepping away from pressure to the left. And it goes, it, it was almost like, to Jarvis Landry against Carolina, it was like the Paul Blake in necessary roughness where he's hitting the thing in the middle of the field. I mean, it was an absolute perfect ball between two defenders. I mean, J- Jarvis, all he had to let do was make sure the hands were cupped and the the accuracy he can put on the deep ball. It was just so impressive. But now here's the thing. Now, normally, you know, you talk to a lot of guys, and we've had some Browns on the show, whether it's Kevin Zeitler, Joe Schobert. They talk so much about going from year one in the league to year two in the league. Um, obviously, I can only imagine the magnitude it's going to be for Baker here. I mean, look, you know, he's going to get married here over the summer. Um, now he's going to go into expectations. Seven, eight, and one was great. But, you know, nobody's blind. These guys can read. They know what the Vegas odds are on them as far as, you know, AFC North, you know, possible championship winners, playoff contenders, you know, he seems like he's got the cut to handle it and, you know, the, the cut of the cloth to handle it. But that is a lot going from year one to year two, no? Absolutely. Uh, that, that's, but it's, I think it's all good signs. You know, um, there's so many people last year that were questioning the antics, right, of Baker in at Oklahoma and certainly some of the, the off-field stuff. And I remember – being very clear of I don't need Baker to be mature right now. I need to know if Baker can mature. And some of these things, uh, some of the off the field things, mainly getting married, show me a level of maturity, right? This shows me a level of maturity. I always say, you know, after being around, you know, a great like Peyton Manning or even a guy who's had a really good career as far as performance in Matthew Stafford so or, underrated. Matthew Stafford is so yeah. underrated in this league. Yeah, even with, I was with Matt Schaub when he was lighting the league on fire. These guys had a unique ability to understand that they were the guy, meaning they were the guy. They were the CEO of the billion-dollar company and were completely aware and understanding of that, but also a guy. They were just, just one of – they were just the guys, you know, and – uh, wanted to fit in with their teammates and rel- be relatively normal in so many different aspects of their life. And when I hear our Baker's getting married, that shows me that maturity. That shows me he's not buying into some of the things of the past or resting on the laurels that he's and, and not like you have to be married to be mature, but a guy who can it, it potentially can have so many things and distractions off of last year, I like the fact that 
he's kind of honing in and going, I'm going to make sure that I handle this because this is still going to be up my forefront, forefront focus wise. Yeah, and she she's fantastic. Um, you know, whether it's you know Christmas time and handing out presents or Thanksgiving and handing out turkeys, you know, she's there with him. I think the two of them are embracing you know the potentially fantastic life they could have together. And you know, it's weird because you know, and there's some part of the Cleveland media. It's like, oh well, he's getting married in early July. Well, I mean, like, how how do you critique that? How how is that a possible? I mean, do you want him, you know, falling out drunk out of the strip club at three in the morning, or would you rather him say, you know, I found the woman who's going to be good, and we're going to make everything work together? I mean, it just it's insane with stuff like that. But now here also, Dan, is the thing. Now you're going into year two, and obviously, you know, there's a lot of pressure, and you know, it's you know, you're trying to make yourself better from year one to year two. And then all of a sudden, about two weeks uh, two weeks ago on a Tuesday, you're talking to your GM and your head coach and said, look, we're going to make your life just a little bit easier, young man. Yeah, we're going to get you Odell Beckham. We loved the talent that was already in yeah. this building. And But here you go. You want to know what? We have some really good skilled players. We love what we have. But now we're just going to go acquire the best skilled player that will now be in this room. I mean, could you, could you, first off, could you imagine as a quarterback, this is what you get handed after a really good year, but just Baker and Odell together, Dan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I got to imagine because that's kind of, you know, it's in, I don't want to say it's like the, the, the slow time of your offseason, but you're, you know, depending on exactly what your focus is and your offseason training and what your individualized plan is like that, that, March time frame is when you're just starting to really get back into okay. Let me let me really ramp up my training and get rid of this OTAs and maybe get a little bit back into throwing and whatnot. And so you're kind of in, in some ways players take a little bit of time getting back into the swing of things. You've taken a little a month or so or six weeks and your body's rested a little bit. You removed yourself from the game uh, for in some different capacities, and now you get this news and it's almost like that shot of adrenaline, that shot of electricity going, man, I can't wait for September, you know, and I can't wait for us to be on the field and grinding because that's what that group's going to be about is just being a bunch of dogs. And so uh, as a quarterback, it's like you, 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 it's Pavlov's dog in a way where you just, you, you see that bottom line on ESPN go across and the, your mouth starts to water going, give me a ball right now. We got to go. So, uh, I would imagine it was a really, really fun uh, thing to read or be notified about. Yeah, we were actually we were recording an episode and we were talking about you know they you know Sheldon Richardson was going to sign. We were about ten minutes in, and then uh, you know my buddy Pete Smith, who does a lot of shows with me, he's like, uh, "No, it's official, Odell Beckham." I was like, "Yeah, we got to scrap." Everything we just did, and we're taking this sucker from the top, and it went from a, all right. Well, the Browns are trying to do something, and oh my god, and it was literally off the charts. Um, but the thing with the the acquisition was is you know it, you know and Baker because he did so well last year, and what it was is you know guys like Rashard Higgins and Jarvis Land. If Baker, you could give him a bunch of guys. They're going if as long as they run the routes they're correctly. And you know they can get their separation. It didn't matter who you were, whether you were the first wide receiver, the fifth wide receiver, the first the first tight end, or the third tight end. 
he would go through the progression so quickly and he would find the open man. But now you throw in a guy like Odell, who obviously creates a ton of separation and has great yards after the catchability. I mean, this is a really, really, you know, for Baker, it's going to be a second solid marriage, but this should really play out nicely together. Surely, and that's one of the things that comes with being the new guy in town or, or kind of, okay, you're the rookie quarterback and your team has obviously had some dark moments of its past. One of the things that Baker was able to do last year was play free and play in a non-discriminatory fashion. He didn't discriminate with who did or did not get the ball. He didn't care if you were a big-time name or a, a guy that maybe people hadn't heard of. And that's going to be Baker's greatest challenge moving forward is making sure that he continues to play with that frame of mindset where I don't care if you're Odell or I don't care if you're Jarvis. Obviously, situational football matters. But the guy who gets open is the guy who's going to get the ball. And that's going to be the greatest challenge for him, not only on the field, but off the field. Because, again, he's now got a plethora of players and a plethora of talent around him that, you know, uh, Jarvis and Odell obviously want the football. And then you've got a guy like Callaway who is going to want to continue to have bright moments and get paid one day. And Njoku to have bright moments and get paid one day. And Higgins to have bright moments and get paid one day. And so he's going to have to really do a good job of, you know, almost like a parent in in a way going, (laughs) you guys are all great. And there's 16 games, and everyone's going to have their moment. You guys got to trust me that I'm going to do my job. I'll trust you that you do yours. And at the end of the day, we do what's best for the Browns and not what's best for the name on your back. And that's going to be, and I've said this, where we saw him shine last year. I honestly think that this is going to be where we get to see him shine even more in that, again, CEO of a billion-dollar company. I've kind of called him the Tony Stark of this team where (laughs) he's got to have that leadership of no nonsense. And there's going to be moments, of course. It's it's, it's emotional. But we got to do what's best for the big picture. And and, and going off what you said, Baker had six different wide receivers last year put up an outing of 63 yards or more. So that just goes along to the, look, the hot hand, you know, if you're open and when you bring a guy like Odell into the building, who is a mismatched nightmare, David Njoku is a mismatched nightmare. I mean, there's going to be guys like Jarvis Landry who's going to run, you know, a five-yard a five yard out out of a, you know, you know, out of a, you know, probably, you know, one back, you know, uh, David Njoku, three, three you know, wide receiver sets. There's going to be nobody on him. I mean, like, how do you defense what could possibly be here? With Dave, with Baker's you know read recognition, getting rid of the ball as quickly as he does, I don't even know like where do, what do you target? I mean, Nick Chubb's you know and I say this all the time. Nick Chubb's probably going to average you know damn near four seven four point seven yards to carry because there's going to be nobody in the box. Yeah, I mean, the, the, what you've done now to defenses is you've you've given them. You know, they, they've got a very difficult it's, – it's the age-old pick-your-poison. You know, it's, it's, is it going to be death by a thousand paper cuts or are we going to put cement blocks on the feet and go? Because that's going to be the challenge for defenses going, okay, 
Uh, how do how do we handle Odell? Uh, who, do we have anybody that we even feel remotely confident with singling him up up for parts of the game? Uh, what do we do with Jarvis? Who's going to be able to play Jarvis on the inside? All right, are we going to play zone versus Joku, or do we have a safety that can play against them in man? Can we really put just six guys in the box or seven guys in the box, depending on the personnel, versus this run? And so you that's the thing is like you have the game the name of the game is offense and now you've you've gained offense you you are now on the offensive and dictating to the defense you can dictate personnel you can dictate matchups you can dictate tempo you can dictate how many people are in the box there's so many things i would expect them to play like this i would expect the browns to come out every game stupid aggressive just very aggressive on offense and jump out the lead, and then let that kind of revamped defensive line get after. But you're, there's going to be very few teams in the AFC, surely. Uh, Baltimore will be one that can have some form of confidence that their back end can hang on for, for 60 minutes. Yeah, but then come week 9 or week 10... And you know, Kareem Hunt, you know, obviously you know, running the ball. You know, uh, a lot of great guys can run the ball, but you get a guy like this now. It's either going to be Week Nine or Week Ten, who's shown crazy ability as a receiving back. And most, I don't think you're really going to have any worries about him physically. He should be fine, obviously, as long as he can keep himself clean and you know, serve suspension, just go somewhere, continue to train, work out. But then you bring in a guy like this, who's now going to be your number two for the stretch run. I mean, Freddie's going to be sitting there like, well, I don't know what to call because they all look good. Yeah, and again, that, that's going to be – that'll be a challenge for him is, is, is continuing to have the, the, the right mindset. You know, Kareem Hunt's two years removed from leading the NFL in rushing, and there's a lot of things that he can do both on the ground and through the air. And so the big thing for this team is staying healthy, and then the, and staying hungry, and as long as they do that, there's not many things on off on, on, on a, as a football team that you're going to be able to do to slow them down. And the big thing is going to fall like like I said, it's going to fall on Baker and how he continues to handle all that is you know too much is given, much is expected, and now the expectations not only coming off of last year, but the investment of what's been put around them. Are higher and 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 he is is he really able to handle it? I believe he is. Uh, you know, I mean, the kid oozes confidence. You got to think he's be looking at this situation, just looking and just chopping at the bit at this point. Guys, uh, iTunes rating reviews here as we talk with Dan Orlovsky. Do me a favor. Uh, good time here. Go ahead, throw, drop down a five star written review for me over on iTunes. Always helps the show and always you know, uh, you know helps new listeners. And whether or not you know, there's a lot of Browns podcasts right now. But it always, you know, will direct people to what they think is the best. Dan, I'm not going to let you go, but without, we got to discuss it a little bit here. Look, we got the quarterback in the room. Uh, whether it's Kyler Murray, whether it's Dwayne Haskins, this there's some good to this. And in, in, in many ways, it may be a little bit deeper in the first two rounds of this quarterback class. But you know the Kyler Murray Murray situation. Let's just go with this: is is it is his height in the where he's at? Is it that much of a factor, or is it more of you know he didn't get enough to get a full grade on him? I don't I don't find Kyler Murray's height to be an issue at all. Uh, 
I have said this, that the NFL has been drafting quarterbacks incorrectly for a long time. The rules are changed. Quarterbacks don't have to stand in there and take the beatings they used to anymore. Uh, the game has changed because of this, the, the infusion of college schemes and, and more appreciation for space. You can manipulate pockets a little bit more and open up throwing lanes for guys who are a bit smaller. But most importantly, the physical is the least important part of the quarterback position. And the physical is the most important part of a wide receiver or a defensive end. So we should be drafting per the physical, at least most, more often than not. We should be drafting per the physical attributes that those guys have. But for the quarterback, it should be about all the other things. And so I've never really bought into the, the height being a param, of, of paramount importance. Okay, now, of the class that's coming out this year, who are a couple that strike you and impress you that you think they should lead to successful careers? And look, there's so much about where you end up and the situation you land to. Um, who, who impresses you of this group? Yeah, I mean, Kyler Murray's tape by far is the most impressive. Uh, twitchy, both athletically and in his mind, how quickly he sees things. He can make throws that are so appropriate, uh, changing tempo and trajectory. Very smart in understanding what the defense is presenting to him. Accurate with without having to be in, in the perfect setting. Uh, and a much more efficient thrower of the football than people think. He's probably the most electric player to come into the draft since Michael Vick, at least at quarterback. Uh, Dwayne Haskins is very smart. I like a lot of things Dwayne Haskins at Ohio State. Very intelligent, um, runs an NFL-type offense, NFL-type schemes, controls the line of scrimmage. You get a little bit concerned that when he moves in the pocket a little bit here and there, the accuracy dropped. Uh, that's the case for a lot of guys also the case that can be worked on you know Tom Brady isn't the great pocket passer he is now because he's always been that way he worked at it obsessively but there's not a lot of flaws in Dwayne Haskins game there's not a lot of things that make me concerned in Dwayne Haskins game he didn't stand in the pocket a ton he didn't have to force to play super fast a ton because of the, the talent around him and his offensive line pass wise was good but there's a lot of things to like Drew Locke is very much a wired card out of Missouri uh Talented beyond belief, athletic, can make every throw that you would imagine. Arm angle has a lot of cutler to his game. People hate on cutler. He threw for 230 touchdowns in the NFL. Um, but you don't know how smart he is. It was such an RPO-based offense for Missouri. He wasn't given a lot of responsibility. But the kid is incredibly aggressive and confident in his arm. And so there's a lot to, to that to his game is like. Um you know, I know a lot of people like Daniel Jones out of Duke. The ball goes to the right place at the right time every time. I get concerned with his personality. Like, he's the opposite of Baker. He is he's very he's the sweetheart of a kid <laughs> and very intelligent. I just don't know if he can lead a group of guys, a group of grown men. But those are obviously a bunch of the names that can get thrown around for the most part as, as guys that potentially have a first-round opportunity all dependent on where they go. Kyler Murray, to me, has franchise-changing attributes. All the other guys are going to need some growth and development and some really good placement around them. And let me just go to this before we you know, start to put a bow on this. 
Um, if you're Arizona and you went one year with Josh Rosen, and there is not a mock draft by anybody worth you know who's not put out by anybody who's you know, respected, where Kyler Murray goes one to Arizona, it are you, but the, my only thing is, and look, I get it if you love the kid, but are you essentially putting Kyler Murray in the same position you put Josh Rosen in, a bad bad situation where you're not maybe going to get a true read of the guy, read of the kid, or, you know, read of the assessment of everything. I mean, it just seems so weird that Arizona's, you know, seems, and I guess you believe it. I mean, you have to believe it when so many people with, you know, with prominence say it, that Arizona's going to pull the plug on one guy and just to go ahead and throw another underclassman in there again. Well, I, I, I can understand that. I would say a couple of things are different. Um, one, Murray's attributes and talents are more equipped to overcome the bat around him. Two, uh, they went and got Cliff Kingsbury for a specific reason. They fired Steve Wilkes with Cliff Kingsbury in their mind. And so they didn't fire Bruce Arians or have Bruce walk away and go, we got to go get Steve Wilkes. You know, they moved on from Steve Wilkes and said, we have to go get Cliff Kingsbury. And so there seems to be a, a, a longer commitment to Cliff Kingsbury because they went after him specifically. And so I, I believe that that matters, that there's an understanding that he, they've got long-term plans for him to be there. And so if you've got at, at least, you know, a couple of years plan-wise for him to be there, uh, I would imagine that, you know, I said this with the day Cliff Kingsbury got the job. Kyler Murray's going one. Uh, we hear it all the time in the NFL. Coaches' jobs are, are – coach, a coach's job is to put players in positions to be successful – this is a prime example of an organization having the opportunity to, put a, to have a coach be in put position to be successful. So uh, it just makes too much sense. It, it, I mean, it, the writing seems to be on the wall on that one. Let's put in, we'll just go with this. Where do you think is the best step for Josh Rosen from here? Give me a uh, team know, where he should go. Yeah, I, I, the easy answer is New England. Um I just think you just structure. can't think that's going to go on forever. You just, I mean, we can, I've said it for a decade now, and I keep saying it. They can't go on forever, but there's got to come a time yeah, where forever England, ends. Well, New England's got six picks in the top 100. <clears throat> they don't have a ton of holes on their football team. They they came out and said that they, he was got the most impressive quarterback brain uh, they've seen in a long time. And really, I mean, this is going to be even if he stays in Arizona. This is Josh Rosen's sixth quarter coach in offense in five years. I mean, he's just had no consistency and structure. That is incredibly hard for anybody, let alone a quarterback. So, you know, New England is obviously the pillar of that, or one of them, certainly in the NFL. And so I just, you know, if, if there's not going to be a ton of teams going after him, you know, if New England's got so many picks that are in that second and third round, maybe maybe New England's an ideal landing spot. That would, that would, that would you know, well, you know, as, you know, for the guy here on the East Coast, and hoping that the uh, <laughs> the Patriot reign maybe will end, maybe it was so much won't. But I mean, that would be a nice stop. And maybe one thing for you know Josh Rosen would be to step away from playing a little bit, and you know, see everything slow down and get around people like Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, Josh McDaniels. It it would scare the crap out of everybody. And and look, New England's going to be interesting because this might be the year where they go ultra aggressive with you know Gronkowski stepping down. You pretty much only have Edelman and Ed Rod receiver right now. It's going to be interesting how New England handles this offseason. Guys, it's been a pleasure here with Dan, as always. 
um, you know, whether it's ESPN in the morning and plenty of other places, Dan's everywhere. Um, he, he deserves it. He's put in the work, and obviously he has the knowledge. Uh, the Locked On Browns podcast, always a follow-back account. Me, personally, uh, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Go ahead, throw a follow over there. Um, it, make sure uh, if it's, whether it's Google Play, you know, Google Play, uh, iTunes, Spotify, you know, Himalaya is another one. If you're looking for a new podcasting app, whatever you need, guys, you know, look out for Himalaya. It's a new one, too. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns.